Amen. Well, good morning, family. We are one body, right, in many locations today. Greetings to all of you who are at home, online. It's great to have you here with us. And if you're new, whether here or online, I hope to meet you, hopefully in person at some point. I'm Dan. I'm the lead pastor here. I hope by the time we finish today that God will, through his spirit and by his word, convince you of three things. First, that your position with God has nothing to do with getting rid of of bad behavior or adding good behavior to your life. Secondly, that Jesus' sacrifice should unleash a desire in us to want to know him and be like him. And the third thing, that the path to, to set and keep your mind fixed on Jesus has been laid out for you by God. And it's a path that you should buy into, you should trust. You know, it's fascinating to think about the mind, isn't it? Just how complex the mind is, how it, it can drift from here to there until it locks on to, to a destination and finds its home there. It's kind of like a remote control, right? And sometimes there are places where minds come together. They're drawn together under one thing. Whole communities exist that are drawn together by the most unusual of things. For instance, if you're into the octopus, okay, you can join Octonation. This is a Facebook group, right? Claims to be the largest octopus fan club. It has 35,000 minds have gravitated there. Or maybe you're into this, things found in walls and other hidden things. 339,000 minds drawn there. Or maybe, I'm into this one, okay, abandoned and forgotten homes. 381,000 minds joined together. Now, I imagine that these groups or these these interests are, are for some, they're passive entertainment. They're something to laugh at. But for others, this is serious business. I mean, it's the place where community is found. It's people coming together around a hobby or an idea or even a cause, engaging each other. Sometimes people read books together. They, some of these places have annual conferences that people attend, and they travel together. I remember a couple years ago, my brother came in town for the um, Buckeye memorabilia and signing show, and he met some people from the first time from this on, his online community of people who collect Buckeye items. Now, communities, for good or for bad, they, they shape us. They shape our minds. They affect our actions. They, they affect our attitudes, our beliefs, which can, in turn, redirect us back to the community, right, or the hobby. Today, as we go deeper into the book of Colossians, it's all about the mind today, where we're to set the mind, and the process to keep it set so that it doesn't drift away. Don't you want to know how to do that? Maybe, maybe you're like that. Maybe you've got one of those minds. You're like, oh, you know, my mind's crazy. It's all over the place. Well, today, I think, is for you. Now, up to this point, Paul has spent a significant amount of time and energy highlighting who Jesus is, that he's God, and also that, that Jesus gave his life. He, his sacrifice on the cross accomplished something for us. In fact, Paul writes to these believers, and we gotta, we gotta, when, when we think about who he's writing to here, it's people like you and I, okay? It's just normal people. And he wrote to them in Colossians 2, and I'm going to go up to the upper stage here as I read this. 
He said this, when you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. But God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it, all sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. And, and what he's essentially, Paul's essentially telling them there is the gospel, right? That there is a separation between man and God because of our sin. And we're going to represent our man today by looking at this guy. It's the closest thing I can find, so just please forgive me, okay? So, and, and if you want, you can even picture him with a baby Yoda instead of what he's holding there. But this represents, for, for us, it's us today that we're looking at. And we are separated because of our sin from God. But God made a way through Christ to know him and to, to be forgiven of our sins and to have relationship with God. So there comes a moment in a person's life where they're confronted with the cross. Will I believe, will I believe in what Jesus did for me on the cross? If they choose to make that choice to trust in Christ and to follow him and believe, then they've been given a new position, okay? Because Christ canceled, he canceled the penalty of sin. He removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And now, now because of the cross, God now presents us as holy and blameless. This is where we stand now. He's given us a position. And this is great news, right? And so what happens in Colossians over and over again, is that Paul is, is reaffirming this position here of where these believers stand now that they know Jesus. And he's going to come back to it again and again and again. We're going to see it through chapter 3, which we're about to look at. He's going to say things like this. We are raised with Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ. Our future lies with Christ in glory. We are God's chosen. The Lord has forgiven us. So I want you, as we read through Colossians 3 here, to notice these times where Paul resets us back to our position. Okay, here we go. Colossians 3, we're going to start right at verse 1. And here's what we read. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, Paul says it. Again, he's, we've got this position. We've been raised with Christ, and because of that, we're to seek the things above. And this isn't an obligation like, oh, I guess, guess I should do this. No, this is a revolution. This should unleash a revolution in us. What else can we do? What else is there to live for? He's given us this life-changing position. So seek the things above. Seek Christ. Seek what he's about. Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. He's seated because he's accomplished the work on the cross. He's at the right hand of God, affirming again that he has equal position, power, and authority. So seek the things above. 
And again, this, is, this isn't a passive thing. It's not just, ah, check it out. This is the language here in the Greek. It's an effort to obtain. It's strong. It's require of yourself the things above. Demand it of yourselves. Go after the things above. And he continues on that theme in verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on things down here, right? We're not to make our home in the pandemic. We're not to make our home consumed by elections or our jobs. We have to deal with them, but that's not our home, right? That Greek word for the phrase set your mind is literally think think above, think above. And I hear you saying, oh no, not my mind. I can't even get through praying without my mind shifting here and there. And I get, I get it. I can be that way too. But there's more to this phrase set your mind than just this in the moment kind of just focusing. It's much more than that. It goes deeper to our will and to our affections. Direct your mind to things above. To set our minds involves actively protecting our minds, pointing them in a direction, and then shaping them. And this is done through some things like our actions, right? how we act and motivate our bodies, the practices we adopt will affect our ability to think above. Our thoughts, what we allow to enter into our mind and remain in our mind will shape us, will shape our attitude and will affect our ability to think above. Now, Paul addresses the body and the mind in in Romans 12 when he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, okay, because of your position, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your act of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Conformity right, to the world or really any community is the result of our minds setting up home there and thus being shaped by the actions and the attitudes of that community over time, in this case, the world. But Paul calls us in Christ to this complete renewal of our minds, which will require a new set of practices that will need to be shaped by God who does it through his spirit and through a process. We'll get to that in a second. But why do we do it? Why do we present our bodies? Why do we renew our minds? We go back because of what's been done for us. That's the motivation. And Paul just emphasizes that in verse 3 here of Colossians 3 when he says, listen, you've died, you've died, and your life is hidden now with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you're going to appear with him in glory. Let that phrase sink in. Your life is hidden with Christ. Man, do we need to hear that right now, right? Our life is hidden with Christ because to the extent we make home here is largely to the extent that we're going to feel despair when it all breaks down because in case you didn't notice, this place is broken. It is broken. I mean, we have, we have it, you might say we have it good here in America, but it is broken and it doesn't take long to figure that out. 
the great blessing God's given us in this time is it's broken. See it? It's broken. Here's your chance. And it, it, this time has revealed to us, hasn't it? Like where we set our home. I, in fact, I was communicating with, with somebody last week who was just had reached that point of just realizing, you know, it's, it's through things not happening and just having to deal with all this that, that she just said, I, I, I need to focus on, on above. I can't, my mind's been here. I realize that. But our life is hidden with him. And, and we are, as he says in verse 3, there, we're dead. We have died. We've died to the old self. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So my life is now, it's not my own, it's hidden with Christ. And he's coming back. He's coming back, right? First Thessalonians, let's remind each other of this. I think we're getting closer, I really do. Jesus is coming back. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a lot of power surrounding him. And we are going to be caught up. Those of us who are still here, those of us who have already passed, are going to be caught up together to meet him. And we're going to be with him forever. Man, we need to hear this now, right? That's where our minds should be thinking, where they they should be focused. So Paul, in, in Colossians 3, he gives us, in those first four verses, this big idea of setting your mind above. And then now he's going to move forward and he's going to say, here's, here's some specific ways. And here's a path that God has for you. And this is going to help you protect your mind. It's going to help you point your mind. And it's going to involve your actions and your thoughts. Because these reinforce our mind to think above. And this is what he says in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, which is uncontrolled, illegitimate passion, evil desire, and covetousness, or which is greed, which is idolatry. On account of, of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, which is verbal outbursts. Malice is just a mean disposition towards someone else resulting in hurting them. Slander, obscene talk from your mouth. And and if you look, Paul starts this whole section with therefore, right? Put to death, therefore. It's because of our position that we live this way, right? Because our life is hidden with Christ, we pursue this. So we put to death, which can really be translated, consider yourself dead to that or be dead to it. It's this initial act that happens the moment you think about it, and it's going to happen again and again when we have to deal with putting things like this to death in our lives. So you see the list of sins there in verse 5, and one could only imagine Paul's letter being read to these believers, right? Imagine it with me. And as often as is the case in Scripture, the list of sins starts with the ones we might, we might consider the big ones, Right? And by the time the entire list is read, everyone can identify and has stopped judging others in the group. 
I suspect this was the case here too. If not, Paul's going to talk about lying in a second, which will cover everybody. But these kinds of sins, right, are the very things that kept us separated from God in the first place, right? They are the sins that Jesus died for. Sin destroys, sin tears apart. And sin is the reason for God's future judgment. The wrath of God is coming. It is coming. And we picture, you know, we picture Noah, we picture the the flood, the wrath of God. It is coming because of sin. And Paul is saying here, you who have been forgiven of these things, we can't go back to the old. Can't go back to the old. He puts it another way in Ephesians 5, verse 7, when he's talking about the, the unfruitful works of darkness, which is what these are. But he says this, he says, do not become partners with them. Do not become partners with them. And Ephesians 5 actually closely mirrors Colossians 3. But there, there's an expectation of holiness here, okay, in the life of the follower of Jesus. How could we not care about these things? If we are indifferent to those things, we've got to ask serious questions about whether we really understand and grasp the sacrifice, the enormity of what Christ has done. And it's not about whether we will sin or not, because we will. We're, we're fallen. We're going to have to deal with it. We're going to have to confess it. But to spurn the sacrifice, as Paul said in Romans 6, do we just keep sinning and sinning and sinning so that God's grace can increase? May it never be. But even in our darkest places, when that happens, the cross is that powerful to overcome our sin. But partnership with sin brings consequences now. It destroys, destroys relationship. It moves our minds away and off of Christ. And Paul says that was, that was before Christ kind of living. That was before Christ kind of living, but now it's got to go away. How? How do I get rid of that stuff? Maybe you're struggling and saying, I just don't know. I've tried. I've, I keep trying to get rid of putting things to death in my life, and I can't do it. Paul gives us a prescription in Ephesians 11 for how to begin that process. When he says, take no part in in them, but instead expose them. And Paul says later in Ephesians 5 that when you expose them, when you bring the light on them, they become visible. And so around here in a body, it should not be uncommon for a guy to go to another guy and say, listen, I gotta, I gotta talk to you. I've, I've been doing something at work. I've been dishonest, and I, I want to expose it because I need to break the power of it. Or for a woman to say, "Listen, I'm holding something against someone else. I need to tell you about that, and I need to be held accountable for that because it's it destroys and it's got power. But when you expose it, you begin to break the power." So he gives us that prescription, and it's up to us to move towards that. Now, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? As Paul is addressing things like anger and wrath and malice and slander, just what was going on in this church? What, what kind of relational issues was Paul hearing about as this church lived their life with each other? Well, listen to this. Paul goes on, and he says in, in verse 9, 
do not lie to each other, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, okay? Practices come with the old self and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And then we got this verse 11, which seems like a sidebar, but let's... Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So something's going on here. We can kind of take a guess of what's happening in his body. But he says to them, don't lie. And then he talks to these different people groups, right? The, these, uh, these different people groups. And he says to them, listen, there's not one of you. Greeks are not more important than Jews. Circumcised are not more important than uncircumcised. Christ is all and is in all. I think what we're seeing here, right, is some, some type of class divisions going on here, right, that's creating some sin and some tension here. But what you see in, in verse 9 through 11 is this call to unity in the body, unity, and a call to what the Bible calls, warning, big Christian word, sanctification, sanctification. Sanctification is simply the process of becoming fully formed into the image of Christ. Being fully transformed to the image of Christ. You know, when we choose Jesus, we put off the old self and the actions and the practices that accompany that, and we put on a new self and the actions and the practices that accompany that. That new self is continually being transformed. We are being renovated into Christ's image. You are under renovation right now. And hopefully you can look back in your Christian journey and see that some change that's happened, some transformation. And that transformation is from God, who's usually through his spirit and through his word and through other people in the body. That's sanctification, the process of being transformed to be like Christ. Paul says in, in verse 8 of Ephesians 5, listen, for one, one time you were darkness, but now here's your position. You are liked in the Lord. So walk like that. Walk as children of the light. And I, I need to come back here and remind you of the position again. Because whenever we start to add lists, like don't do this, something happens in us, right? We forget about our position and we start to put things in the wrong place. Because our attempts to put off the old self, to put things to death, or to put on the new self, do not give us our position in Christ that's been set. You, you finally gaining control of that anger that you've been working so hard on does, does not make you any more right with God. You loving others well or doing great acts of kindness does not make you any more right with God. Those who have trusted Christ are already in Christ. But here's the thing. Our efforts to be more like Jesus will help us become what we already are in his eyes. Well, the position we already have. So we think about that. We think about transformation. We're called to take off the old, right? But that doesn't stop there. We're also called to put on the new. What does that look like? Verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, 
You see what he's doing there again? Your position, don't forget it. Because of your position, right? Put on these things. Compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility. Meekness. Patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is, this is a, an important passage for us to let sink in because it can often happen in churches that when someone has a complaint, the way they handle it is they go back to that old list. They slander or they avoid or they abandon instead of forgiving as the Lord has forgiven us. So put these things on. That phrase in verse 12, for put them on, is, is translated best as clothe yourself, right? Clothe yourself in these things because of your position. In fact, in the message translation, this is, a, this is just a powerful phrase, but it says dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. Dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. I love that. And these believers in Colossae, who were probably a rough bunch, were learning to live life together in this new community, in a new family together, and, and to live out of their position. And it's messy. It's messy to put things to death. It's messy to put things on, and it's hard. And it's going to be messy here too. We're going to make mistakes taking off the old and putting on the new. We're going to hurt each other. But love keeps us locked in and committed to each other to do that. We're a new family, a new family. And Paul continues on with these believers. He says in verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body. Let the, and verse 16, I want you to really take in verse 16 here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 16, that is all these verses. This is life in the body of Christ, the church. One body, one family, overflowing with thankfulness. A family where the individuals in the family let the word of God dwell richly in them. They pursue it. It just becomes a part of their routine, part of their practices. And then they get together and they move towards each other in that setting. One body centered around the word of God, centered around Jesus, encouraging each other and allowing each other to speak the truth with love into each other's lives. Gathering together, one another in teaching, worship, overflowing with thankfulness. This is why we do not stop talking about community around here. Community often expressed in our groups around here, right? And I want to come back to where we started and say this. We started with our, our position that's been given to us in Christ and the call to set our minds above. Remember that? 
And that setting our minds is more than just focusing really hard in the moment. It involves our will, our actions, our practices, and our attitudes. Where these are directed and pointed will impact how effectively we set our minds. Now, Jesus has called us to this process, this pursuit of his word led by the spirit, and this, this living life in the body with other believers, one anothering, teaching, worshiping, being shaped. That is his process. I did not make it up. It's his process. And God says to us, here's the map. I'm showing you the way. And we are then to move our minds set on Christ into that process. And both the word and the body serve to reinforce and redirect our minds on things above. And that's going to shape us. It's going to shape our actions. It's going to shape our attitudes. I will tell you, I have been transformed by this process over time. I'm different than I used to be by the grace of God. And I think many of you are too, as I think about the spiritual journeys that you have taken over time. But when, I, when I, we get together in community, when we love one another and push each other towards his word, we're directed above. Here's the thing. If we move out of the process, if we move out of the process, it's likely that we'll drift away and we'll make our home somewhere else, ultimately towards something here, and we'll be shaped by that. Because there's nothing inherently wrong with the octopus, right? An octonation. Or having passions or hobbies. I mean, my family will tell you, I wake up Friday morning so excited for the next Mandalorian episode, excited to see it, all right? And those things are, are good. They're, I think they're gifts from God to be able to enjoy. But when those kinds of pursuits become our primary place where we set up shop, where we have home, then we've drifted away. And our new home will shape us. That's called an idol. It's called an idol. And we think about it when our actions or our attitudes are more directed toward and by those endeavors, whether it be money or politics or news stations or whatever it is, when it's more directed toward that than Jesus himself, then we've set up a home somewhere else. Um, I know we talk about it a lot around here, but we need to. I bring up social media because it is just such a toxic and dangerous place to, to set your mind and to make it your home. It's changing us. It's changing the church. Our attitudes, our thoughts, mostly towards division and, and despair and disappointment. It's not, it's not just us running after it. It's other people now that are pushing us towards things. And that pull can be so strong. It even affects us physically, right? I mean, how many times have we, where's my phone? Been away from it. I gotta get back on there. See what's going on. It's causing incredible harm to our relationships and it's taking our minds from things above and putting them here. If this is you, I just wanna encourage you, figure out how to break the cycle. And the cycle, part of it is to expose it Go to a brother and sister and say, listen, I, this is a problem for me. Would you help me 
Um, I have been in ministry a long time now. I've, I've been able to watch just people as they journey with Christ these past many years, and it's, it's just almost always the case that those who, who stay connected in community, in biblical community, are the ones that most, most often, not all the time, but most often stay connected with the head, with Jesus. Those who, who opt out of that, it hardly ever ends well. And it usually begins with a season like, I just need, a, I just need to step out of that for a while. I need doing something else. And maybe it's a, a cause or a sport or a hobby, whatever it is, lifestyle that has new kinds of practices and attitudes. And then a drift begins away, away from, from Jesus. And I, I'll just be gentle as I say this, but some will say, listen, I don't need people. I don't need God's word. It's just me and Jesus. That can be enough. Well, that's not where Jesus points us. He points us to a process, to the, a community, to the word. And others might say, well, I, I'll, just, I'll just have the word. It's just me and the word. I don't need to be around people. But see, God's process is for people to help shape you in the word. People to help you discern what to put off and put on. And still others might say, listen, I'll just get together with people I know, maybe even Christians, and we'll just hang out. I'm not, the word's not that important. And I'll just say community's not the end goal. The word's not the end goal. Jesus is the end goal of this. And a biblical community will reinforce you. It'll reinforce you in Jesus. And it's his process. To, to transform and to keep your mind set above through the Spirit. So when I see this kind of living in Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, really, I mean, throughout the New Testament, Acts 2, Acts 4, I say, how can the body of Christ centered around the world be anything less than essential to our walk with Jesus? We should fall in love with this process. It's not just another thing. Please, don't treat it like another one of your communities. It is the place and the means for you to keep your mind set on things above. And we're now over eight months into this time, this season, this pandemic. Look at us. We're all here this morning, spread out still. And we are learning things, aren't we, about the church and about what it means to to be the church, not just us, but the church, churches all over. And we talk about it as a leadership team. This is a great time for us to, to be praying, and we do, about where God is leading us. But one of the things I'm seeing play out is this biblical principle that God intended us to live life together with a, with a group of people who set their minds on him and the word and being changed through that. And I'll say it. You will not find that only by coming here to our large group gathering on Sunday. Yes, I love our teaching. I love our worship. I love seeing everybody, the collective body here. But there's something else. There's a, it's not a substitute for this transformation that happens as God intended us to live life with others, one anothering, 
living life together, using the gifts to build one another up in our groups and so on. And I think that's where we need to be pointed. That's where I want to invest. And this may be a time. I know it is. I can't imagine. For some of you, you've been disconnected for a long time because of what's going on. And maybe you've not been in a, in a group before. And you may feel alone. I hope that this time just really recenters us to see that the need for being connected with others beyond what happens here in a large group setting. And I'll just tell you, there are people who would love for you to jump in to, to a community like that, a smaller group that's, that's centered around the world, uh, around the word, and living life together as God intended. People are waiting for you. They ask me, I mean, people say, Dan, our group's open. It can be a Zoom group, it can be an in-person group. Our group's open. We'd love to have people join us. So reach out if, you, if you, you're interested in that. All right, Paul wraps it up in Colossians uh, 3.17 when he says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, the practices that you do, do everything. And the attitude, the attitude of thankfulness will shape our minds in Christ. Okay, we set out today to make a case for three things. One, that your position with God has nothing to do with you getting rid of bad behavior or adding good behavior. Second, that Jesus' sacrifice should unleash a desire in you to know him and to be like him, to enter into the process of being fully transformed. And a third thing, that the path to set and to keep your mind on Jesus has been laid out for you. It is his process through the Spirit, and you should buy into that process for your own transformation because of what he's done. So as we, and I would encourage our groups to spend some time in, in this, this chapter. It's a, it's a rich chapter and it's, it's, it's great stuff to talk about. We're going to ask some questions this week in our groups. And questions like these. Where, where is your mindset? Where do you set up home? Where, where is your mind? Where is your community of people? Who's shaping you? Who, who, where does your community point you? And are you living out of this beautiful position that God has given us? Are you seeing things put off and put on? And then will you trust his process for your transformation, the word, the body, through the spirit? We, we choose that because of his, because of our position. And, and what else could we do for what he's done for us? Let's pray. God, we just love you so much. And even now, our minds are, are set on you. We think about where you are right now, seated at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf, the one who has laid down his life so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God. God, it's a beautiful position that you've given us. And not only that, 
but you're coming back. And we can't wait for that day. God, God, would you do a work in us by your spirit this morning to show us in all that we talked about this morning how we can move toward your process, how we can set our minds on you. God, we long for you. And we just say it. This place is broken, God. We know it's fallen. We know we cannot depend on it. We know that it only brings disappointments when we look to it. But God, in you is hope, is stability, is a future. So increase our hope, even this morning, as we sing about who you are and give you the glory. In your name, amen.